Today's podcast was brought to you by an anonymous donor. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Dernarek of St. Sarkis Church, along with our producer, Mr. Greg Dostor, sitting in for Veh, who is on a business trip. Let us start our show and our day with a prayer from the prayers of the Armenian Church. Wow, this is the first show that I'm actually talking on. It feels good, right? Yeah, so let's get right into the prayer. Havadov Khostovanim yev yergir bakanem kez an pajaneli luis mias nagan surpier ortutyun yev mias vatutyun ararich luso yev haladzich khabari haladziai hokvo ime zgavar megatsiev ankitutyan yev lusavoria smides im ijamus haismik arotel kez ihajuis yev antenel iken zkhuntervatsim yev vormia kovararazot yevins pazmameris In faith I confess and bow down to you, O light indivisible, consubstantial holy trinity and one Godhead, creator of light and dispeller of darkness. Lift from my soul the darkness of sin and ignorance, and illuminate my mind at this hour, so that I may pray to you according to your pleasure, and receive from you the answers to my prayers. Have mercy upon your creatures and upon me, great sinner that I am. Amen. Greg, you were asking why did I pick this prayer, and I'm going to tell you a story. We've been saying this prayer since I was a kid, and it was this year, the first Vespers that we were having, along with Anushavan Serpazan, who was presiding over the services in our church. It was the first time when I realized that in this prayer, we are asking God to enlighten our minds so that we can pray to Him in a way that is pleasant to Him. So even prayer, it's not an act that we initiate by ourselves. It's something that God has to help us so that it will be done in the right way and in the acceptable way. So for me, that was an aha moment. You know, after all these years of being in the church, it's so funny that, not funny, but it's so amazing that how, how God reaches out to us and speaks to us in different ways. And it's just amazing. People ask for signs. They ask for miracles. To me, these things, these small things are uh, nothing short of miracles. Are we going to tell everybody why we haven't had a podcast in a few weeks? Has it been maybe a month? A month. I believe it's a month. I I think the answer is very easy, Greg. We've been lazy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> or busy. I mean, or one busy. or the other. Yeah. I think a little bit of both, if I didn't have yeah, we, to We lie. did two videos. We were not totally absent. We had oh, a yeah. video interview with Anusha Van Serpazan and another with a performing artist for Musical Armenia this Friday. Right. No, no lie. There are a lot of great events going on in our community. I mean, I, I wish we can really expand this to the entire, you know, east coast of the country. But in the New York area, there are some exciting things going on. Should we start with, you know, some things and will be going on at St. Sarkis? Of course. All right, let's go. Um, we've been really busy. I think that this season of Lent, we have uh, taken this opportunity to make it into a period where we can learn more about our faith. And somebody s- said to me, it feels like this is kind of continuing education programs that we've started at St. Sarkis Church, and it feels that way. Right. And we have three things going on at the same time. One of them is conversations with the pastor. This is a monthly thing. We had the latest on last Sunday. So basically, we get together. We serve food because... For Armenians, food is very important. Well, of course. For everyone, food is important. So once our bellies are full, we sit down together and we have discussions. Usually I introduce the topic. Um, I speak about 30 to 45 minutes. And then uh, that stimulates the thoughts of those who are present. And we have a very good discussions about various topics, topics that have to do with spirituality. And I'm happy to see that we have participants from... Um, cross generations mm. it's not uh, geared towards any specific group it's for the entire parish and people are registering and they're coming so yeah like i didn't make it to the one last sunday but i came to the very first and right. it was really cool i think the opening question was you know after you had a little bit of an introduction the opening question was what is religion and then we had an open floor right yeah it led into a pretty great conversation it did so it's always good to start from the basics and Mm -hmm. let's see what happens with that so along with that on fridays we're having the alpha series after the vespers Um, we watch the videos and then again there's a lot of conversation and discussion that happens after the videos and i gotta be very honest there are two um extreme views about alpha there are those who love it very much and there are those who have their reservations (laughs) really yeah but uh I think the message is very consistent. It's very clear. It's the basic tenets of our faith, and it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing to revisit those tenets and learn more about uh, our relationship with God. But I think one of the most important things that we've been doing is uh, called Rediscover Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, which is a biblical study of Matthew. Um, 
on Sundays during Lent. Dionetic, what's the difference between Rediscover Jesus and Matthew versus other sermons that you do throughout the year? The sermons throughout the year are focused on the lectionary readings. Mm-hmm. Each Sunday we have, each day we have readings from the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and we take whatever is prescribed to us by, by our church fathers and we explain that to our um, congregants. And usually that sermon is about 10, 15 minutes max. Mm-hmm. This is a biblical study. Um, and I called it rediscover or discover, and then the re is optional if you know if you know who Jesus is, <laughs> you can rediscover him. Because for me also, as I'm uh, learning, it is a rediscovery. So we read parts from the Bible, we read parts from the New Testament. But this, we are dealing with the Gospel of Matthew as one, a unique literary unit. So from the beginning to the end, there's a clear direction that Matthew follows. There's a clear message that he wants to communicate to us in the way that he structures uh, the, the gospel. So there are, for example, five major blocks of teachings where he gives all the sayings of Jesus in those five blocks. And the way that he presents Jesus to be the Emmanuel, God is with us. And that message is consistent throughout uh, his, his writing. And that's how he finishes his, his writing. Mm-hmm. I will always be with you until the end. So it is very interesting to see that Matthew has a clear direction. And we are trying to see that in our, in our sermons. It is a Bible study. Um, it is a, little, a bit lengthy. We spent 30 minutes giving the sermon. And... I'm, I'm oh. honest. Some people, you know, are falling asleep, and others, <laughs> you know, they are listening to every word that uh, that I am I'm saying. And it's a great thing for some. It's a learning experience for others. It's a meditating experience. I'm sure. <laughs> look at it that way. Wait. So, do you go in like a chronology? Like, do you cover a certain amount of chapters each yes. week, leading yes. in the six weeks? Okay. Yes. So we're talking twenty-eight chapters divided by six. That's cool. So we're up to fourth week of Lent, correct? Yes. The, this week is the last Sunday, so it's the last part and the conclusion. And Dednatic Tuesday night was the last of the bereavement program. Correct. Yeah, it was the last session we had this past Tuesday and uh, we've been doing this for we started in end of January or beginning of February and this was a 10 session program and I'm I'm happy to say that we had uh, a lot of people participating unfortunately some of them um, dropped but the majority of the participants continued and it was expected for some to drop because, you know, it's just like any counseling relationship. Not everyone is ready to open up and deal with their personal issues. But uh, yesterday was the last session, and I'm happy that I was able to provide this environment in our church. And this is the, this was actually the second, uh, the second series. We, we had one last year. It was less structured, but this one it was, was more structured. We were uh, following a clear program, and... Uh, participants felt that this was something benefiting. Um, they learned a lot about everything that they go through, about the emotions that they go through, and it's helping, you know. Because when we speak about bereavement, we usually are thinking about being sad or being depressed, right? Yeah. But actually, when you go through it, for example, would you know that Anger is a form of grieving. Not particularly. You know, people go through phases. 
And it's very difficult for them, but also their family members, to understand why this person is acting this way or that way. Sure. Okay? For the grieving person to understand their emotions, to know where are they coming from, I think that's such an important thing. And that's what we try to do. It was not a faith-based uh, program. It was more solid counseling-based program. And uh, I'm happy that we did it. And um, in a few months, we're going to start a new program. And again, uh, I would like to invite anyone who has not dealt with the loss of their uh, loved ones properly to join us. It's, uh, it's a safe environment. It's a warm environment, confidentiality is respected, and healing is promoted. All right, Greg, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Musical Armenia because you work for the prelacy and you're involved with the project um, that everybody knows. And before I let you answer my question, sure. I'd like to tell everyone that this Friday our Lenten uh, Vespers is taking place at 5.30. We will finish at 6.30. There's no um, video presentation, no discussion, no dinner following that because we want to give everyone the opportunity to go to the city and attend Musical Armenia. Wait, so did not, does that mean that you and Yeretsky Nani are going to yes, attend? Yes, we are attending. Oh, wonderful. Yes, we are. Okay, well, classical music hasn't particularly been my forte. However, these musicians that were performing, we have four musicians, Haik Kazazian, Hasmik Vardanyan, Haik Arsenian, and Karen Agopian, who are performing this Friday night. And it's going to be one of the most culturally saturated yet musically sound performances now Der Nareg and I we actually hosted an interview with uh, these two accompanists Karen Agopian and Haikar Senyan who you might know from the New York community and um, they not only told us a little bit about themselves and their musical backgrounds but they also did a musical performance so you can if you haven't seen the video you can probably get a taste of that by watching this and and we'll link you and you to did a it. great job producing the video great oh, not thanks. only producing thanks but directing producing. the warm was uh, the, the the room was very nice and warm with armenian <laughs> carpets yeah, I know. I, th I thought that Armenian carpets was a nice touch. Thank you, Megedian. But um, not only was it a great shoot, but everybody was very cool. I've been on few shoots in my life. I have never been with such an attentive uh, crew, and, mm -hmm. and um, it was wonderful. So, um, yeah, we invite you to join us. The tickets can be purchased through Carnegie Hall. They sold out through the prelacy. So um, if you rush, you can probably get your tickets uh, ASAP from Carnegie Hall. They're $25, and the event starts at 8 p.m. this Friday night. So see you then. My guest today is Dr. Ruben Melikian. He is the human right defender of the Republic of Artsakh. He was elected to this position in May of 2016. He is visiting the United States by an invitation by Armenian National Committee of America, the Eastern Region. Dr. Melikian, welcome. 
Thank you very much for the invitation. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for coming here. Thank uh, you for the invitation. What are the major human rights challenges that our Republic of Artsakh is currently facing? We have different situation in human rights field than many other countries. Of course, we have just regular human rights issues concerning all kind of human rights, oh, right to freedom of speech, right to uh, religion, social rights, right to proper administration of justice, and all other uh, traditional human rights issues. They are not so pressing as in many other countries, but still it's a living society and all kinds of issues are rising. But on the other hand, we have a situation that very few societies has. And uh, I would say even um, maybe it's very extraordinary one, which is right uh, to to have um, security. And it's not only my words, but uh, it's also a public poll that was conducted two years ago and one year ago by an organization named uh, European Friends of Armenia. It so what do you mean by security? What are we talking about? Just physical security. Just physical security vis-a-vis uh, -vis Azerbaijani threats of um, of, of entering Nagorno-Karabakh, of entering Artsakh, and, uh, and com uh, committing the things that they did in April 2016. So that's very clear. So our April 2016 was the bloody war, and we suffered as Armenians in Karabakh. A lot. And you were elected in May of 2016. Exactly. Was your election related to what happened in April? I would say yes, just directly. Okay. I was invited by Parliament of Nagorno-Karabakh, or Parliament of Artsakh, right after April War. Um, my office is elected office. I'm elected by National Assembly. I'm not only elected, but nominated as well by the members of Parliament. And my nomination and uh, subsequent election were directly linked to April events. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe that uh, Nagorno-Karabakh authorities decided just to make sure that human rights dimension of the conflict is uh, much more sound and uh, vivid. Okay. Usually people say that um, when events happen, tragedies um, take place, people think about it for two weeks, 14 days, and then they tend to forget about it. Unfortunately, human <laughs> beings... Uh, That's how we that, yeah. operate, right? Um, I'm afraid that a lot of our listeners have no clear understanding of what happened in April of 2016. Can you remind us about the atrocities? What happened? Uh, I can, and uh, I would say that right after my, my election by National Assembly, I started a fact-finding mission and trying to look at uh, the details of the atrocities. And uh, 
and my findings are just very alarming. That's alarming. Alarming, right. Alarming um, and shocking. Just, uh, just several figures. So 90%, percent of all Artsakhi citizens, including civilians, as well as uh, Artsakh Defense Army servicemen, who fell under control of Azerbaijan, were subjected to terrible war crimes, in, including torture, execution for being Armenians, as well as mutilation of bodies. In all the directions of uh, the uh, ground attack, in by all the regiments of Azerbaijani armed forces that um, that established control over Nagorno-Karabakh citizens. Uh, and uh, that was terrible because that included also beheadings, ISIS-style beheadings, including a beheading, one beheading, of an Artsakh Defense Army serviceman while he was alive. Terrible things. So five cases of torture, seven cases of execution, including three civilians as well as 24 cases of mutilation. So the number is more than uh, the overall number of uh, our citizens that uh, fe fell under Azerbaijani control because uh, one, one person uh, usually was subjected to more than one type of war crime. For example, torture and execution, okay. uh, mutilation and uh, torture and, and so on. So, that was a terrible thing. How did that happen? How were they able to come and take control over our territories and commit the atrocities which they committed? Uh, that's that's very. It's it's not very easy to answer this uh, this question. My my guess is that first of all, we uh, it was kind of a surprise attack. It was. If we remember, uh, President of Armenia as well as President of Azerbaijan were in the United States uh, just prior to the attacks, and they were on their way. Armenian president was on his Anyone. way to uh, back to Armenia, and uh, I don't, I, I don't think that many people in Nagorno-Karabakh and in Armenia thought that uh, that kind of terrible things uh, would happen. One, one more thing just about the atrocities. Azerbaijani users of social media just uploaded plenty of pictures as well as videos in their social uh, media accounts. They were subsequently removed either by them or by the, by the media uh, themselves. Oh, the media, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we downloaded them and... Uh, the, the content of the pictures and of the videos are, uh, are very shocking. For example, one of them is describing uh, a beheaded head, uh, uh, mutilated head of uh, one of Artsakh Defense Army servicemen that is uh, brought to an Azerbaijani village and uh, as a trophy. And people are just um, celebrating that Children are just running around. They are celebrating that. They're taking pictures with, uh, with the head. The head. Uh, and even a person is approaching somebody and, uh, and just openly saying that 
May Allah bless your hands that cut this head. Another video is describing fallen Artsakh Defense Army servicemen and uh, two Azerbaijani speaking people are um, talking about uh, the knife and they say, please bring the knife, I'm going to cut his hair. And uh, in the end of the day, it turns out that his ears are already cut. A third one is describing, um, uh, is, is depicting um, another Azerbaijani serviceman who is talking to camera and saying, I will show you what is Armenian genocide. And uh, there are fallen Artsakh Defense Army soldiers just lying by, by him. So that kind of things happened. And, and the threat is uh, imminent. It is imminent. It is. So we, know, we, know, we know that uh, they, they, they are ready to do anything. Okay. Because of the Armenophobia atmosphere of their society. Armenophobia is everywhere in Azerbaijani society. They, uh, it's, it's, I think the, the level of Armenophobia is not less than, um, let me just, if I may uh, have connection, have, uh, compare, uh, it? Yeah, compare it with um, Ottoman Turkey in the early 20th century. So I wouldn't say that I see difference between their uh, attitude. Okay. Where is that hate coming from? Can you pinpoint? Well, I, I believe that uh, it, it that that hate is uh, kind of a result of Azerbaijan state policy, uh, which uh, which which aims to to feed their society with uh, with 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 this hate in order to um, to somehow to somehow uh, let them understand why. Why, um, why did why they don't have opportunity to take uh, advantage over Armenians? I mean, take. Okay, so uh, again, um, just a brief uh, a brief um, explanation. So they they have internal issues. Okay, many internal issues and issues of uh, a huge difference between rich people and poor people, they have oil, they have gas, they sell it, and a very tiny part of their society is becoming very rich. Corruption? Corruption as well, and it stems from uh, the, the oil money that they, uh, they have because of their natural resources. So in order to kind of direct their uh, inter internal uh, negative sentiment, they need an external enemy. enemy. And we are perfectly suited to be that sure. enemy. And and last one, two years, you know that oil prices are down and uh, many things could happen there. And they understand that, it's just my personal opinion, that they, uh, they need to um, increase this uh, level of, and intensity of uh, animosity, uh, animosity or towards Armenians. Um, and they start from just kindergartens. Now I'm uh, working on another re re report on uh, right Armenophobia, and uh, preliminary findings are just shocking. And they 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 teach their children that uh, the the best way to to live in this world is to hate Armenians, kill Armenians, and make 
different uh, wrongs to Armenians. So uh, this is how they operate. And uh, this is not only Armenian issue, this is a general issue. And especially European structures that are, uh, are working in the field of racism and so on, they already start to notice that uh, situation. So, and we need to help them to notice that situation. It sounds very much like the atmosphere pre-1915 Armenian genocide. Uh, I, I believe so. As long as I am aware of that atmosphere from the different historical writings, I can draw uh, comparisons. Okay. So what is the current situation in Karabakh, in Artsakh? It's, it's, very, it's very interesting uh, that uh, April events uh, didn't make people to, uh, to, to understand that, this, uh, that we are weak, just vice versa. Because of this strong help and, uh, um, and assistance from Armenia and from diaspora, people in Karabakh, people in Artsakh, I believe feel much stronger than prior to that. And uh, I would just bring some approximate numbers. So the very two, uh, the very first days of April war, April 2, April 3, several thousand people, several thousand uh, volunteers from Armenia came in. Uh, millions of dollars of help came from Armenia and uh, first of all, diaspora. from diaspora, first of all, from different all the structures of diaspora. And by the way, that, uh, that money already, prove, uh, already has proven its uh, effectiveness. And uh, I would say that the, the system that was uh, operated after April War, uh, the electronic monitoring system, is, uh, is working very good so far. After April, no subversive attack attempt was successful. No Azerbaijani subversive attack attempt was successful. So they tried, but it w they were not successful. They tried. They tried several times. In, in February, they tried twice. First, in the very beginning of February, where uh, three of them... February 2016 or 17? No, no, 17, 17. I'm just talking about one, uh, the events of one month uh, ago. ago. So they tried, three of them tried. Uh, there was a fog and they thought that uh, the electronic, uh, uh, that the system doesn't Would work. work. Yeah, but one of them was wounded and um, one of them was even captured. I, by the way, visited him in the, in the prison, uh, in the detention facility. Uh, the, other, uh, the other attempt was on 24th, 25th of uh, uh, February. It, it, it was well documented. Uh, there were, um, we also made a fact finding on it. We had an interview on the uh, video recording that was published by Artsakh Defense Army uh, in two different directions and they had um, casualties and uh, retreated. So uh, they tried, but uh, no way. Unfortunately, there was one attempt which uh, took three Armenian soldiers' lives uh, in Armenia-Azerbaijani border in the, uh, in the last days of December 2016. But no, in uh, but no, no uh, subversive attack in uh, Azerbaijani Artsakhi line of contact. Uh, but notwithstanding that, we have uh, we have we still have casualties. We had 
20 killed Artsakh Defense Army soldiers and 95 wounded during 10 months after April War. So May, February 2000, uh, May 2016, February 2017. It's not cheap. That's yeah. a lot. It's, 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 it's a huge number, I would say. 20 people, 20 young people were killed and then 95 were wounded. So uh, sniper attacks and so on. Dr. Malikan, who are our friends in that region? Do we have any friends? Uh, well, it's a very political uh, question. I'm, I, I'd like to say that I'm not a politician. I've never been. I'm a human rights person, and I cannot talk about um, political dimension. But I would say that our friends all over the world are people of good faith, who respect the European and Western values, not European, but Western values that are respected um, more in uh, America and in Europe. Um, those people who understand the, uh, all the dangers of uh, silence. And we have many people, many, many people. We, we have many friends. I cannot comment, do we have friends in, um, in governments of different countries? But, uh, you know, there are some relations, some deep relations between Russia and Armenia. Although, on the other hand, Russia also has good relations with Azerbaijan. But uh, I can say for sure that we don't have such friends as, for example, Turkey is for Azerbaijan. That's for sure. Gotcha. So tell us about your visit here. What was the purpose of your visit to the States? My, my strategy is... Uh, try to engage with different human rights uh, uh, actors, human rights community, global human rights community, uh, in order to raise awareness, uh, also to engage with uh, diaspora structures, to, to reach out our, our issues, our human rights issues, to talk directly to our diaspora, to talk directly with human rights community. And uh, this is not my first visit abroad. First visit was right in 2016, also organized by ANCA. Then other uh, diaspora um, groups approached me, and we had several other uh, collaborations, including a um, second visit to Europe, organized this time by AGB Europe. And this is my first visit to United States, again organized by ANCA, Eastern Region. Uh, it was very tough. Uh, it, it, the, the, the schedule was very tough. So four cities, uh, New York, Washington, D.C., Boston, as well as Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, and this is my 34th event. <laughs> 34th event, yeah, okay. Yeah, 34th event in nine days, uh, including seven uh, public, uh, pub public talks to different uh, uh, auditoria, to different uh, groups, uh, both diaspora groups and academy, uh, academic. Uh, That's a very uh, ambitious schedule you have. I, I, uh, I, I think that we, we, we need to um, use our time as effective as possible. I'm very frequent to the line of contact and I see young people, 18 years old, 19 years old, to stand there days and nights uh, and uh, we uh, and they dare uh, our efforts so would they, you say they 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 uh, they, they are um, I, I i always um, i always remember their eyes that uh, i believe that we owe them let's say 
So do you think that this was a successful visit to the U.S.? I, I think so. It's, it's not over, over yet. We have uh, several other meetings today. Uh, and uh, overall, we will, the, the visit will be concluded in the evening uh, with um, a meeting, uh, with, a, with a panel discussion uh, in New Jersey. Uh, I am one of the panelists, uh, and uh, Ambassador Evans is uh, among the panelists, uh, Artsakh Republic uh, representative, Mr. Robert uh, uh, Avetisian is the other one, uh, and uh, Adrani Kasparian as well, uh, uh, Tufinkan um, Foundation. And, um, and I believe it's successful. It's not, we are not, uh, we are not, we, we didn't, uh, let's say, shake the mountains, but we started, but we started cooperation. Not all of my meetings were uh, public because there are many concerns, uh, but we need to start from, uh, from just very first steps. Uh, as a old Chinese wording is saying that the 1,000 miles uh, road starts from the first steps. So we That's started. Right. That's right, you did. So, and by the way, uh, I would just uh, bring a couple of other examples. I think it's, it's, it's really very important to have opportunity to talk uh, before uh, academy, uh, uh, academicians, mm -hmm. very mm, respected academicians in Taft University, Fletcher School of uh, Diplom Law and Diplomacy, uh, as well as in Johns Hopkins uh, University. I also had a chance to give an interview to a foreign policy journal uh, and it was kind of incorporated in their um, uh, article uh, which um, which published uh, in March, I think, 14. So I already have some uh, tangible things. That's very good. Very good way of measuring your success. Before I let you go, I would like to ask, what is your message to our listeners today? Um, well... I would have uh, two messages. Uh, first message uh, is the message of uh, gratitude. Uh, I'd like to say that people of Nagorno-Karabakh, people of Artsakh, uh, are, uh, understand your input into the security and uh, prosperity of, of the, in their lives. It's for sure. And in my all uh, levels of meetings, both in uh, both with authorities and, most importantly, with just ordinary people, they always uh, say that if you go to diaspora, please uh, convey our uh, warm regards and uh, just uh, uh, thanks for everything diaspora is doing. Um, this is my first message. My second message is uh, that uh, I just ask our diaspora brothers and sisters to be attentive to Artsakh issues. Uh, they are very important uh, part of our agenda. I even believe maybe now it's, uh, it, it could be uh, number one priority because of this situation, because of this uh, very worrying situation, because of the situation that we still cannot see uh, the outcome from the situation. Because Azerbaijan is not reducing its uh, Armenophobia, it's not reducing it, just uh, it's, it's even increasing. And uh, one specific thing as well, 
Um, we would like to cooperate with all the diaspora groups, especially for bringing human rights communities and journalistic community to Artsakh. These two groups are the most important. More, uh, the, the most important. I am open to communication. Um, I have uh, Artsakh ombudsman. Uh, uh, the the uh, pages, official pages in Facebook and in Twitter. You can easily and uh, openly communicate to me if you have ideas. Uh, I have a staff which will also uh, assist me and help me. We need uh, you, your assistance, uh, first of all, in networking with, uh, with journalistic and human rights communities. Because my idea is that if official circles are not ready to engage with ARTSA, human rights uh, community, which is much more flexible, uh, can be ready because it's pure human rights issue. First of all, it's human rights issue, and then it's political issue. And we need to look more carefully at human rights dimension of Artsakh, uh, Artsakh people's struggle. Dr. Ruben Melikian, human rights defender of the Republic of Artsakh, I would like to thank you very much for setting some time aside and uh, talking to me and through me to um, the hundreds of the audience who will be listening to this podcast. Thank you for all your services. I pray that may God bless you and bless the Republic of Artsakh and everyone who is serving the Republic and our people. Thank you very much. It is scripture time here on the podcast and today's reading is from the epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians first letter to Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but, by, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaimed, and so you have come to believe." The word of God. It's the end of, almost the end of his first letter to the Corinthians, Greg. And Paul is reminding everyone what this whole thing is about. And in essence, he is giving a recap of the gospel. In the first few, few verses, he said, I'd like to remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you. So what is the good news? Good news is a very simple way of saying gospel. In Armenian, it makes more sense because we use the word Avedaran. Avedaran is from Avedel, Avedis, which means good news. So what is the good news? 
the good news is that Christ, the Son of God, the Son of God came to be with us. God is with us, Emmanuel, as we said earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. And not only he came to see us, but he gave the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. He died for us, he shed his blood for us, and he saved us. And that salvation process came to its fulfillment on Easter Sunday through his resurrection. So when we believe in Jesus, when we have faith and accept the grace that he, he gives us, we come to have a relationship with God. And to me, that is pretty good news, Greg. Paul in this letter seems to downplay himself. He speaks about how he's sinned in the past. And he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. To me, that has a significance, because if he's speaking to people, I feel like it still gives them a second chance to justify their wrongdoings and still go towards the word of God. Can you agree? Absolutely. That's a great, great point that you're making, Greg. It's never too late. No. And, you know, in this way of approaching the people in his church, people can relate somehow to his experience. It's one thing uh, to come and say to people or to convey a message that I, as your preacher, as your pastor, as your priest, have always lived a holy life, and therefore you should follow my example. It's totally another thing to say, listen, there was a time in my life that I did not know any better. I was a sinner. I persecuted Jesus, but I had my Damascus moment, my journey to Damascus, and that changed everything. And, you know, he does not forget who he was. And when he reflects on that, he evaluates how big the grace that God has given to him was and how wonderful work that grace did to him. He compares himself to the apostles, to the disciples, and he says, I'm not worthy to be one of them. But this one person, Paul, who was not one of the twelve, did as much work as the twelve did collectively. And that's a wonderful thing. So God has a plan for us. And when we surrender to the will of God, God will use our strengths and sometimes our shortcomings for his glory, for the glory of the kingdom of God. The fact that Paul was so knowledgeable with the scriptures, God used that. And the fruit is the letters that we read in the New Testament. So all of us are, are invited to be like Paul and use whatever resources that we have for the advancement of the church. For instance, you, Greg, using your skills in technology and in production, you are doing a work in advancing the kingdom of God. This is a, mess, a, a, a mission that, you know, we are trying to take the gospel to people in their homes as they work and try to make it relevant. So each and every one of us, when we engage in this kind of thinking, using our skills, our time to benefit the church and the kingdom of God, the world will be a better place. Sure. Hey, Dednatic, before we wrap up, I I do want to say thank you for letting me be a co-host on the podcast today. I never thought this day would come. 
I'm so happy that you agreed uh, to, to do this, Greg, and I think we did a, a great job. We'll leave the evaluation to our listeners, but I'm so happy that you joined me. Today's hymn is Luis Ararich Luso. This is a hymn from the Arevacal service, the sunrise service of the Armenian Apostolic Church. And this specific hymn is picked from the Arevacal album that is produced by the Armenian Prelacy. I hope you will enjoy listening to Luis we will be back hopefully sometime soon, Greg. We're not saying in two weeks because I know it's going to be Easter in two weeks and I'm not promising anything to our listeners at this point. But before I go, I'd like to thank all of our listeners. I'd like to thank you for all the hard work and our sponsors. If you like the podcast, please ask your friends and invite your family members to listen also. We will be back soon. We pray that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be always in your hearts. Amen.
Today's podcast was sponsored by an anonymous donor. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode, please contact the church office at 718-224-2275.